Nice. Butcher Talk. Hey, what's up? Here's another episode of the Butcher Bordell of Blood podcast. As always, I am uh, Zach Butcher, and I got my uh, life mate, fucking Blade Brown. This week, we've got Dan Caffrey. Hello, Dan. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Absolutely, buddy. How's everyone doing today? Good. It's a lovely, not to make it small talk and be about the weather, but it's a <laughs> lovely spring day in New York. Um, my wife and I just went through, I'm going to sound like the most white Brooklyn dude ever. We just went through a really nice walk through uh, Prospect Park, went to a farmer's market that was really lovely. Um, I'm in the middle of rereading Jaws because we just went to Martha's Vineyard. And so I got, I have like a paperback edition from the 70s, but I didn't want to ruin it because it's falling apart. So I went to the library and got this uh, more updated edition. So that's nice. been my morning so far. It's been a, it's been a good one, one for the ages. How about you yeah. guys? Uh, I found I remembered that I live three minutes from a Burger King, so I ate a spicy <laughs> chicken nice. at eleven o'clock this morning. So uh, my heart hurts, but you know I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I um I saw the Northman last night with a friend and. Oh, nice. He, uh, we're about to have a baby and he, this was his first movie seeing since he's had a kid. We haven't seen each other in like seven years and, uh, we're just going to grab a drink afterwards. And you know, I'm in my late thirties and so is he, and he just started like buying me shots and we did like the shot and the beer thing. And I I could feel my heart racing cause I'm just not (laughs) used to drinking like that anymore. And it was, it was great. We had an awesome time. I loved the movie, but yeah, this morning I felt legit hungover, which is why the, the walk through the park was good. And yeah, it was a fun time. I got nothing exciting. I woke up at the crisp time of 11 a.m. and uh, <laughs> That's exciting. It's a, that's a rarity. I never get to do that. That's awesome. I work until uh, 1.30 in the morning, though. So, like, that's my normal schedule. Uh, are you a, a bartender or? No, I'm not exciting as Mike. Uh, I'm a <laughs> lab technician. I do, like, chrome plating stuff. That's cool. I, I don't know. That all sounds cool to me. Like, waking up at 11 a.m. because you've done lab tech. That's, I don't know. I think that's pretty <laughs> exciting. Oh God! Somebody thinks so. I'm really glad. Blade's gonna be a Spider-Man villain in like ten years. It's, it's don't worry. I'm gonna <laughs> got the name for it too. That's right. Like one day I'll knock over the wrong beaker and my origin story begins. <laughs> but uh, no, I woke up at eleven and started reading a comic book until Zach FaceTimed me and said, "Hey, we got to figure out the new program." And uh, we figured out a new program we're using. So if this audio sounds bad, oops, it's our first time. That's yeah, right. sounds good. Sounds good to me. I'm happy to be a guinea pig for it. What comic book were you reading? I was reading The Boys. Oh, oh cool, yeah. nice. I'm. Uh, I've only read the first two volumes of it years ago, and since the show has come out, I've been told I need to finish that. And also, it, it's is the comic series wrapped up or is it still going? Oh, it's, oh, it's been wrapped up for a long time. Well, so yes and no, I guess. Uh, he finished it, and then Garth Ennis, like he he greenlit them doing his the TV show version, and then he doing he. <laughs> Just stroke. He's doing <laughs> a doing new it. one. <laughs> he's doing. Uh, he's doing a new one. That it's. Uh, it's like a mini series. It was supposed to be a mini series. I think it wound up running for at least ten issues. So I don't know where it's even going from there. But it was like um, a continuation of the original, and it seemed to sell pretty well. And it seemed to you know garner love of other more classic Garth Ennis stuff. I, uh, it's funny. There's a free little library right around the corner from our apartment. And the other day I found, have you heard that comic crossed that he did? It's that really yeah. freaky. I, I've, I've, I've heard like notorious things about it. Um, and the whole first volume was just in this free little library. Nice. And I'm, like, I'm taking nice. this. I'm going to read it later. Yeah. It's yeah. Cause like cross is one of those things where, he was just like, how do I outdo myself with preacher? And I think ah, the boys was the same thing. It. Where dun, dun, dun. Should we make it? Oh, here he is. Here he is. Yeah. You're back. Okay. I, oh man, I don't know. 
I'll, I'll lean in a little bit more. Crossed and uh, crossed and the boys both. They were they were very like. How do I outdo myself with preacher? And I think that <laughs> yeah. the boys did it well. Where crossed, it's just like sometimes the story's good. Sometimes it's just like, yep, this is violent. Cool, man. <laughs> yeah, I remember hearing about it when it came out, and it was like. Oh, these zombies rape people too, right? right. So I think yeah. it's which, it, um, and I, I'm a huge preacher fan, and I, I do like Arthenis, but yeah, I don't know. It's sticky territory. I think you can sometimes fall into oh, we're being transgressive just to be transgressive, and right. I like it when stories are transgressive. I mean, being a horror fan, I think you kind of have to, but at the same time, you you do question sometimes. Okay, are they just doing this just to be extreme? And in a, not a fun way. I think some yeah. directors are are good at doing it in a fun way, or some writers. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to read it once I'm once I'm done Jaws. I'll probably uh, hop onto Crust. Fuck yeah! All right, so um, moving moving right into that. What uh, what's your earliest memory of horror, Dan? My earliest memory of horror is I'm trying. There, I mean, there has to be one earlier than this, but I guess I always go back to the first horror movie I watched. Uh, in full, which was Creature from the Black Lagoon when I was five. And that's just because my dad liked it a lot. Uh, he had bought it on VHS, and we just covered uh, Creature on the Losers Club, and I told this story. But it, it was, I feel like 50s monster movies, they always made the monster on the poster look so much bigger than they are in the movie. So the, yeah. <laughs> the v- VHS box was this gigantic version of the creature rising out of the water and outstretching his arms toward Julie Adams. And it was cool, and so I, I thought it was going to be this epic um, you know, scope of a monster movie. And I, it's a lot more intimate, and obviously the creature is just man-sized. So I watched that, and that was, I think because I was five, that was probably what I could handle at the time. I don't think it would have worked if I had watched Halloween right off the bat when I was five. Right, right? yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so creature, I'm sure there's, I'm, I have to have seen clips from other horror movies before that, or, um, you know, I think I knew who Freddy Krueger was or whatever. But Creature was really the first the first horror movie I sat down and watched in full. And so I have to credit it as the movie that got me into horror. Although I think I would have gotten into horror no matter what it was, right? It's just kind of yeah, in your yeah. blood a little bit. And my and my you know, my my dad and his brothers all grew up loving it and passed it on down to me. I um I I remember like I was pretty young and it was not Creature, but it was another one of those like classics. Uh yeah. the Vincent Price uh House on Haunted Hill. Oh, my, that's great. My dad used to go to these all night horror movie marathons. And so my mom would do them with us because, you know, I was like six. My brother was four. And so we were upset that our dad was leaving for like a day. And so my mom was like, oh, we'll do it at home. And I remember watching the original uh, House on Haunted Hill. And it's like there's a scene where a ghost comes in, but it's very clearly just like a broom with like a a thing over it going <laughs> on, a, going on like a little caster and it fucking just wrecked my life. I was terrified. <laughs> I know the clip you're talking about where it just kind of goes across horizontally, right? It's like right. almost like you're in a dark ride or something, but there's yeah. something scary about that because I, I know this is not by any means a unique point of view, but practical effects are in my opinion, still really scary. And the thing I go back to, I mean, we talk about jaws, right? And the, if you really watch the shark in Jaws, it doesn't look that real, but right. it's still. I don't need it to look real. It actually looks scary to me because it's not real, and it looks like this big clunky robotic thing rising out of the water. And I feel that way about that ghost too. Watching now, I'm like, oh no, that is scary. Yeah, it doesn't look like some fluid CGI thing, but it's still this 
weird jerry-rigged creature they had to create <laughs> and that that goes across the screen isn't it accompanied by a really freaky sound too i'm just yeah. thinking of the, that clip that's awesome yeah 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 it just like i said it ruined my life as a child now i'm just like yeah you know it's fine whatever but and i mean jaws <laughs> is the same thing my uh my dad, my dad's forty nine, and my mom's like forty six, forty seven. And Dan, they wait, how old are you? Are you? Are I'm, you young? I'm twenty seven. Oh, damn! You guys are like ten years younger than me. I was gonna say because I have I have very young parents for how old I am, but I'm thirty eight. Yeah. My uh, dad is sixty, and my mom's fifty nine. So I guess okay. we're our parents. Yeah, our parents had us at the same age. I think. Yeah. Um, and my mom and dad were talking, you know, like about like their history with horror, and uh, we we grew up in. My brother and I grew up in a small town and my parents grew up in similar small towns in the same county. And my mom's like, I remember seeing Jaws and, you know, like I was afraid to go to the fucking bathroom. And I think there's a joke about that in like a Kevin Smith movie, like Randall was afraid to like take a shit because of Jaws as a kid. (laughs) But like my mom's like, no, that was real. My mom's like, I, my mom had to hold my hand going to the bathroom and I was like seven, you know? And it's just, it's, (laughs) it's that lifelong thing. It's, (laughs) it's the way it goes. Be it the creature from the black lagoon, Bruce, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's all, all aquatic horror. Right? Yeah, <laughs> when it, I think too, Jaws for people our parents' age. I mean, our, even our, our parents being ten years apart, they were still old enough to be around for it oh, when yeah. it came out for the first time. Um, yeah, we're all from New Jersey, and my parents met at the South Jersey Shore uh, on the island where my grandparents lived, it, and it's actually the island where one of the first shark attacks in the U S took place that um, they mentioned jaws a couple times, the yeah. Jersey shore shark attacks in 1916. And so my parents always talked about, yeah, being at that was, I was born in the summer and they met in the summer and they always say being at the summer and meeting and going to see jaws at a theater on the beach and then going to the beach the next day. <laughs> and jaws was already the, becoming this big cultural movement of this big touchstone, this big shakeup to the movie industry. But um, it, yeah, it was that much more effective and scarier because of where they were at. And I, that always sounds so cool to me. I mean, I saw Jaws just in my living room when I was eight. But I always think, <laughs> oh, that would have been really fun to be like at the beach and and right. uh, watch it, you know. So, yeah. What, what, what about you, Blade? Sorry, I know I'm like oh, monopolizing no. the conversation. What was your experience? No, no, before? no. Everybody, uh, I, I sit in the background most episodes. It's fine. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I have my first experience tattooed on me because Pennywise ruined my life as a child. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I have a big Tim Curry Pennywise on my arm because it affected me so much. Uh, I mean, Dan's got to be the core audience for something like that. You oh, know? totally. Yeah, I just got this. Uh, let's see if I can grab it. My my dad picked up these uh, bookmarks for me uh, the other Whoa. day. It's, it's, yeah, it's a cool Pennywise one. Yeah, um, yeah. Pennywise is yeah big influence. Uh, you know what? Anyways, I'm gonna I grab. I'm gonna grab this. All right. So nobody listening will know this, but this is our yeah. one of our first video podcasts we've done in a long time. Uh, I'm gonna grab my little seven dollar USB my uh, camera and see if we can see the Pennywise. This is great content for the audio listeners, but yeah, I know. I know. we do that all the time because uh, uh, Mike Van. Oh, that's a cool tattoo. Oh, that's rad. Oh, so you even have the peeling skull and everything on it too. That's that's cool. I don't know Pennywise somewhere. Yeah, yeah, I love you can it. absolutely see it, buddy. It looks great. Yeah, yeah, that's a. I we always see that too. Like Mike Vanderbilt on Halloween's especially has a room with all this cool stuff behind him, and we're always like, "Oh, what's that?" What's and I'm like, "Yeah, the listeners can't yeah. <laughs> enjoy when this." We had uh, Mike. <laughs> he sat in a very dark room that you could only see his microphone and his face because he was one of our early episodes where we were like, "Oh, we got to do video." So yeah. uh, he just sat in a very dark room late at night <laughs> with a microphone. <laughs> Wasted the opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, hopefully um, we'll get them. That's right. 
so what you know, moving from something like uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon, what what drew you back into horror? You know, was it just the the excitement of something like that at a young age? Was it a couple years later you saw something else? Yeah, I mean, honestly, from I would say from that point on, if not horror specifically, I, I was just watching a lot of genre movies because that's what my dad liked and that's what yeah. he exposed me to. So. I, it was a pretty steady upward climb. I actually don't think I ever left it. Honestly, the the period where I probably watched the least amount of horror was, I would say, like my junior and senior year of high school. And I think that's just because I was getting caught up in having a social life and having a yeah. girlfriend and just not being at home as much. It wasn't like I didn't watch horror at all, but it wasn't this thing that was always on my mind all the time. And then um, fresh, no, sophomore year of college, we saw... Oddly enough, no, and it's kind of funny because when Mike Rothman and I first met, we had just, we hate each other and had just such venomous disagreements about both of these films. Um, but I saw the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake and the Dawn of the Dead remake, which I think both came out my sophomore year of college. And I love both of them. I love the originals too, but I thought they were great. And the first time I met Mike, I brought that up and he was just like, those movies fucking suck and just start going <laughs> off of what I was just like a total asshole. And then I was like, man, this guy, is, I just met him. He's being a total dickhead. And then we obviously bonded and became really good friends shortly after that. But it was funny. Those seeing those two remakes and being in a packed theater. Um, I went to Florida state university and they had a, what was called the student life building where they showed free movies on campus for anyone who went to school oh, there. Awesome. Yeah. It, it was great. It, it was really good. And I, I don't know if it's like that anymore, but the, whoever the committee was in charge of getting, certain films i mean they oh, they would get stuff in advance um I mean, it was like a packed schedule and it was right near his walking distance from the dorm so i just every night was kind of going to the movies and they got advanced screenings of both of those films the dawn of the dead and texas chainsaw remakes and it was a packed theater with a bunch of college students and i went with a bunch of friends oh also i don't know if you can hear that sorry i live i live in on busy street so if you hear sirens and stuff i apologize oh, um fine but yeah, I went to it and I, I remember being in the theater and having this realization of, oh, my favorite kinds of movies are horror movies. I love all, all kinds of movies. I, I don't exclusively watch horror by any means, but it was just this realization of, oh, when a horror movie is good, I mean, that's the, the best fucking feeling. And then <laughs> from then it was pretty much seeking out everything. And obviously that's had an uptick since we started both of the podcasts. Um, you know, obviously we started them because we all love horror, but I feel like I'm consuming it on a much more regular basis now, especially with the advent of services like Shudder and streaming where it's just easier. It's, it's so much easier to access a lot of horror movies that back in the day you can only see on bootlegs or in a grindhouse theater or something like that. Um, yeah. So anyway, that's a really long way of saying, I don't think I ever fully walked away from horror, but I definitely went through a period where it wasn't my priority. And then it became a priority again when I, I saw those two remakes at uh, Florida State University, which is funny because I, I I know people who like despise those right. those films. Um, but yeah, they'll always have a special place in my heart. I They make a lot I'm of not, sense. Uh... Also, I shot you a tweet with uh, an actual good photo of the Pennywise. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay. When we, uh, when this episode comes out, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, well, I guess I want to tweet the link obviously with, uh, with, with the episode. Oh, so it's a balloon. Oh, that's cool. So it's, it's like his face coming off at the chin and the forehead, but there's like a red balloon under it. That's awesome. Did you design that or get someone to do uh, it? My artist, I go through the same guy for every single tattoo I have. And he drew that up as a Halloween flash. And I was like, can you make that special for me? So he tweaked it a bunch when I got it done. Oh, that's cool. And you got, is that Leatherface's uh, chainsaw or is it looks like, is it Hello Kitty with a Jason mask and a chainsaw? Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm just going to, sorry. I'm, I'm like putting you on blast now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
people know that I have a horror Hello Kitty tattoo. Um, I'm just going to send a picture of her, too, because, you know, whatever. She's got, like, uh, the reanimated, reanimated reanimation serum, Freddy's uh, sweater, Leatherface's chainsaw, but her paw goes into it, so it's like an Evil Dead reference to a shining bow tie. Wow. Pinhead, like, she's got half a pinhead face, like... Uh, so you just got like an amalgamation of <laughs> every fan- iconic slasher killer. That's awesome. Uh, it's my favorite tattoo that I have. And it's also one of the oldest. That is a photo from when it was fresh done years ago. Nice. Yeah, I, I have no tattoos. I don't think I'll don't think i ever get any. Not because I think you they think look really cool. But a little Halloweenies tattoo? I don't, I don't think I can pull it off. I think who Mac has tattoos, Rothman has tattoos, Justin does not. I don't know Vanderbilt. I feel like Vanderbilt would have tattoos, but maybe he doesn't. I don't know. He has to ask. Oh, does he? <laughs> <laughs> probably. Yeah, yeah, I think he probably would. That would make sense. <laughs> um so what uh what's your earliest memory of making something of your own, like making art, you know, like cuz I know you do music, uh mm-hmm. you I know you're super into uh like theater. Like yeah. what, what, what was, what was your first thing? My very first thing. Um, it's funny cause I have one, but it, it, we didn't really create the thing. It was, it was kind of a botched example. I'm trying to think of a, of a good, uh, um, all right. So when I was, you know, what, let, this isn't the first, but I'm going to just share this one. Cause I think it's, it's actually a, a better story. Um, when I was 12, and scream came out, uh, mm-hmm. uh, that's the summer following that my friends and I around the neighborhood decided we wanted to make our own horror movie and we called it crimson moon and we wrote it. And the idea was that every time the moon shifted, this serial killer would take on a different iconic movie killer and imitate them. So it was like a oh, copycat cool. killer, which it would free over 12 year old. Not too bad. The problem was, you know, this was in, this would be the summer of 1997 and, being kids in Florida, it wasn't like we had access to a bunch of movie props or anything like that. So the first kill was supposed to be, uh, was supposed to be Friday the 13th, but we didn't have a hockey mask. So we just used this like generic horror mask that one of us had. We filmed it from really far away. So you couldn't tell the difference. And then we had the next one was supposed to be, uh, Norman Bates, but all we had was a wig. We didn't have a dress. So we just put like black. So it, it, it was looking back. I, I don't think we executed it very well. And also me and my friend were playing these cops investigating the murder. And so to make ourselves look older, we drew like goatees on our face with magic. Hell marker. yeah. And we didn't think any of this was funny at all. Like we thought we were making this really cool movie. I remember sure. even, even too, we, uh, we even did title cards and we just had like a hand like thing from the Adams family taking, yeah, moving each one with the credits. And we played like a Nick Cave and the Bad Seed song over it um, from yeah. the, I think from the Batman and Robin soundtrack or something or the Batman Forever soundtrack. <laughs> and so looking back, we, I mean, I actually think we did for being 12 year olds, we came up with, I, I don't want to say innovative ways because it's not innovative, but we figure out a way to kind of make it happen. Right. And we, we put this thing together and all that. And then we showed it to all of our parents. We did like a little screening thing in our living room. And I remember being so excited about it. And as soon as we walked in with those goatees, like they all just busted out laughing. Aww. And I got, I got, I got so, and, and I, I don't, they weren't making, they were just like, Oh, this is endearing. Like our kids are making this thing. Yeah. But I remember just being like, it's not funny. It's not funny. What are you laughing at? This yeah. is a serious horror movie. Um, yeah. And I, it's, it's funny. The guy, one of the guys I made it with, uh, 
I ended up working with him at this market research firm when I was like 17 and we hadn't seen each other in a few years at that point. Cause he then moved to the other side of town. And I was like, dude, do you have that tape still? And he's like, I don't like, I, and I, I've like, I, I really wish to God someone had kept it somewhere. Cause it would be so entertaining to watch now. Um, but yeah, I just, I just remember like working so hard on it. And I think the way we had to edit it was just shoot it on like a camcorder and just stop it right at the point where we, you know, it didn't, oh, didn't have rules. like, That's yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and so it's just this really like analog kind of DIY thing that we did when we were 12. And I, I'm sure I would bust out laughing if I watched it now, but I remember being so proud of it. And like I said, really upset when my parents laughed at me, yeah. which is so funny. Like a little 12 year old me with like a, not even like permanent mark, like a, like a smeary purple goatee <laughs> or whatever. So yeah, that's, that's the, so not definitely not the first, but that was the first real completed thing that I, I remember doing. And, um, it has obvious ties to horror. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, see, you, not, you were really good about it and answered a question that I was going to ask immediately after is, do you still have this? No. Yeah, I, I really, like, Honestly, if I could bring back anything I lost in my childhood that's like an object, I, I, I it would be that VHS tape. I mean, there's no way. It sucks, too, because it happened at a time where there's just no way to save any of that stuff, at least not for 12-year-olds, right? Like, it was literally one VHS tape that my friend had, and then he moved away. And uh, to be honest, I think he got, like, pretty, pretty into, like, drinking and drugs at a young age. So, yeah. he, he, he no, no knock against him. He's a great dude. But he... Uh, I don't think he was like the most responsible guy who would have kept something like that. You know, I'm sure he just lost it in a move or um, it got taped over or something. And yeah, I really wish we had somehow preserved it. I, I might, I, probably not. I might have like the script laying around somewhere for it. Like, cause we just typed, you know, we typed it out on uh, a, probably like an old Macintosh with one of those scroll paper printers. So I, at my parents' house, I have a box of just childhood memorabilia that, it, that might be in there. So if I ever find that, Maybe I'll post some pages of it on Twitter. Yeah. It was probably like a 10-page script. I don't think it I was think like... you should publish that, honestly. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> publish it as, uh, as one of my plays. That'd be funny. But yeah, Crimson Moon was what it was called. And um, like I said, hey, plot-wise, not too bad. For You could, you could do worse for your your plot by a you know 12-year-old standards. Um, and the, the killer <laughs> the killer was also... So I was like the lead cop. And the killer ended up being um, my assistant. And we had this running gag in the film where he would always call me, sir, be like, yes, sir. And I, and I'll go, don't call me, sir. And we, and at the end, I remember there was a voiceover after we figured out who the killer was. I remember my character being like, Oh, I never figured out why he decided to become a murderer. Maybe I told him not to call me, sir, a bit too many times. <laughs> it's like, I remember that a lot. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, man, I, I, I think it's the first time I talked about this in years. So I, I really wish we still had it. It would be super fun to watch now. That rips so hard, man. That's <laughs> yeah. awesome. Oh, thanks. Yeah, and I love, I love because normally, you know, like when we when we uh, ask the questions, it's always like, you know, earliest memory of horror, earliest memory of art. Where did something come together? And I really like that you're just like, you know, at an early age, they were even interlocking there. So I think that fucking rules. Oh, thanks. Yeah, and I, th- I think with a lot of, I mean, I don't know if you guys are this way. Um, not that you can't start being creative later in your life, but I do think most people who identify as artists or create music or plays or TV shows, whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. I think, I, I think most people have some kind of story like that, even if it was something that just did not get pulled off well at all. I, right. I think everyone had, yeah. I mean, those they're good questions because I think everyone has something like that in their life that they can go back to. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, 
Sorry, I keep thinking about those goatees. Also, <laughs> no, dude, it was really funny. Man, I wish we had like even pictures of it would be really funny. And we had sunglasses too. And I remember, and it's one of those things where we were acting so serious. It probably just yeah. made it so much funnier. Yeah. I could be, I might be wrong about this, which this makes even more ridiculous. I went to, I went on a theater trip to London shortly before this. And I bought like this stupid plastic uh, Bobby hat, like a British police officer's mm-hmm. helmet, like a bucket helmet. And I want to say my friend Ryan, who is also in it, I feel like he maybe wore one of those. Like that was our police outfit. Like, which once again, we weren't trying to be funny. We were just trying to work with what we had, but yeah, I can only, I, I, I should ask my parents, I'm going to see them uh, this weekend. I should ask my parents about like, Hey, do you remember that movie we made? And <laughs> yeah, I just remember being like, I mean, like, and and then you have grown up versions of that too, right? If you create, like, if you write a play and people aren't reacting to it the way you want them to, you, you get yeah. this, like, no, that's not, that's not funny. It's not supposed to be like, right. that's a, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Boyd, I'm sorry. What were you going to ask? Oh, I just got to like make a note for, uh, everybody. I'm not drinking a four local gold at fucking one forty PM. It's a liquid death can, but it looks suspiciously like a four local gold can. Uh, oh, I'm gonna right. you out does. let me see the label. It's a, uh... that's a liquid death. Oh yeah, no. I, I mean, I, I wouldn't have judged you if you were. I mean, it's not. It's not too too late, right? But uh, yeah, I just had. To I'm not make calling you out, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. I looked at myself drinking. I'm like, that looks like a four local gold can. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, you talked about editing. Just like you got to stop and then restart. That's how we edit the podcast, baby. That's how we edit this podcast. Yeah. Yeah, Wait, so do you guys don't use like uh, uh, GarageBand or thing to edit? Or? I use Audacity, but I'm really terrible at it, and I still haven't figured out how to like do specific things that I'd like to do. So it just pretty much goes up raw, except adjusting yeah. volume levels. Hey, that's good. Well, I mean, honestly, if ideally with Halloweenies and the Losers Club, if we can get the recording to where there's no breaks and. It, I mean, that's always just easier for our editor too, right? Like if, it, if we're, especially if we're doing these three hour episodes, if we can get it to where we're like, we can just use the raw audio. Um, that's usually the best thing, but that doesn't always happen. Obviously we usually have to make some kind of a, uh, some kind of tweaks to it. Yeah. I wanted to make a note that, uh, I listen to Halloweenies like, uh, every fucking night before bed. Oh, that's great. Night. Thank you. Uh, it was the first long form podcast I ever encountered. I'm like, these dudes just talk about horror movies for three hours. That rules. <laughs> yeah, thanks. So, well, it, it's funny. I was uh, I was actually talking to a friend yesterday, He's starting their own podcast, and um, his is like it's a it's a business podcast, so uh, much different feel. But he was just kind of asking me about what you want to hold on to, I guess, value wise, and. I, I think any podcast you shouldn't try and be everything to everyone, right? Because we talked about that a lot when we started both Losers Club and Halloween. We, like our first, our episodes were like, oh man, we went three and a half hours on Halloween. Is that okay? And then we we're like, no, you know what? That's that's who we're going to be. That's what we like doing. We have to get personal joy out of it, and we would do that anyway because that's what we do when we hang out. And I think you have to kind of stick to your guns in, in that regard because you will find people who really appreciate that. Like, yeah, not ever. Most people will probably not sit down. And listen to um, four hours on Army <laughs> of Darkness, or uh, we haven't done that episode yet. However long that's going to be, but there are enough people who will, and the people who will, I think, will really appreciate that. And I, I don't know if you guys have have sensed a similar thing in your own podcast. I think it's just good to, I mean, not to sound corny, but be true to your voice and not try and make something everyone's going to like. Like, really, just do the thing you enjoy and are passionate about, and then people will probably uh, 
latch onto it at some point. I'm very passionate about having no music in our podcast. That's a big rule I've had uh, because really, but you guys are you're both music guys too, right? Yeah, it is, but like there's other podcasts. Halloweenies doesn't do it because you guys have volume control and you're professional. But sometimes the music <laughs> volume will be uh, 20 decibels higher than the rest of the podcast. So, oh, you mean like where they're you're, they're talking, then they go to like a interlude, and you're like ah, and your headphones get all messed up. Yeah. Like uh, I listened to a different podcast that I love to fall asleep one night, and their his exit and his exit music woke me up because it was so loud. <laughs> uh, it really like it made me angry that I got woke up by it, and I didn't listen to it for like two months after that because I was still mad about it. Yeah, like I'm not doing this. I, I'm I'm really into uh, ASMR. Like ASMR really relaxes me. And what happens a lot is you'll, yeah, you'll be listening to someone's soothing voice or whispering as you fall asleep and and they'll just have commercials because it's YouTube and a lot of ASM artists are really popular. So they're monetizing it and you'll, you'll be in this really relaxed state and then you'll hear some loud Geico commercial all of a sudden. And yeah, it just totally interrupts the flow. And sometimes, I mean, that's not the ASM artist's fault. Um, And I guess I could spring for YouTube premium or something if I wanted to, but yeah, that's always jarring. Audio is not a, a fun sensation, obviously. Yep, that and the fact that like I think it's like endearingly nice that I do very minimal editing unless somebody's like, "Hey man, I need you to cut that out." Like, I should. <laughs> yeah, not have said I said that. something really offensive. Yeah, <laughs> like you wouldn't believe the things I've had to edit out. Uh, no, I've edited the podcast like three times the whole run. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's great though. Yeah, yeah, like I've had to cut out something like three times, which is great for me. But I just adjust volume levels to make it like everybody's a stable their own. Like we've got the same volume going on, and then I just send it out. Yeah, that's the, I mean, hey man, that's, if you can do it that way, that's great. Like I said, even, even though we have an editor, we try and make it as easy as possible for them. Yeah. I was going to wonder what's it like going from like the consequence network to the bloody discussing network? Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's, uh, you know, I can't get too much into the the business end of it, obviously, but I, we were both, I mean, Mike started consequence, I mean, gosh, a long time ago at this point, 2007 or eight, all of us wrote for consequence and, so obviously we had a, pr- a pretty big legacy there and it definitely did help us get listeners right off the bat. That being said, I do think it just makes more sense to be on a horror podcast network. Right. Because, and I don't, I don't know. I don't know how active consequence is at this point with podcasting and that's not a knock against them. It's just, I don't, I mean, they're, they're a big music or an, and pop culture publication. Um, and so is bloody disgusting, but I think because bloody disgusting is more niche, it's, easier for them to really target what their podcasts are about. And so we saw a huge bump in listenership when we went over to bloody disgusting just because I, by virtue of being around horror fans all the time. Right. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, consequence would, would obviously share our podcasts and have articles about it, et cetera. But I don't think our readership at consequence was so into horror. I mean, some of them were obviously, but I would say there's probably more people who are into, um, uh, like Drake or something, <laughs> you know, consequence, right. which I like, I like Drake a lot too, but I think being on bloody disgusting just resulted in a huge expansion of our listenership because it's so horror focused. And also too, not only that, they're like a, an authority on horror, right? Um, they're oh, absolutely. Not, yeah. Yeah. Like, like people, if you, if you're into horror, you know who I would say like play disgusting Fangoria, uh, maybe dread central sites like that. So it's, yeah, it's been great. And they've been on, and, and you know, Mike, Mike works, with them now too. And so it was just a, not to sound like such a, like a corporate synergistic asshole, but (laughs) it just, it all like the stars aligned. Right. And it was, it's a good, it's just a really, really good partnership. And everyone over there is like just really fun. And, um, I, weirdly too, what even just something as simple as the, 
tweet, like the tweets of the clips of ours that go out. I think by discussing, we can get a lot more specific in the references. Like if, I don't know if a tweet went out from consequence about, um, us comparing Jason to Madman Mars or something like right. that probably wouldn't yeah. make much sense to the people who follow Consequence on Twitter. Whereas if you follow Blade Disgusting and um, yeah, yeah, you might you you can you're just going to know the language a little bit more if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. No, it rules. Like, uh, I mean, over the years, Fangoria died and then came back. So like everybody like yeah. had to like that void had to be filled, and Bloody Disgusting was pretty much it for everybody. Yeah, I, and it, it's awesome, and I. I, I just like the people there too. Everyone's really nice. I mean, and, you, and even the comment section, which sometimes can be like any comment, <laughs> there, right? but it seems it's really active though, which is nice too. Um, and I feel like that that's a trend that's gone down on a lot of websites. Like I, a lot of us used to write for AV club um, and the comment section is kind of a little bit of a nightmare over there because they switched to Kinja. And so a lot of the old comments got erased and people don't like the interface as much. And so there's, there's just more community engagement, I think, um, over at play discussing. And I don't mean, it's funny coming from the theater world. When you say community engagement, that's like, it's like civil service kind of thing. I don't mean it like that. I mean, I mean, <laughs> just, honestly, I mean, horror fans talking about bullshit, you know? So, so that's a, it's a good thing. Yeah. I think I've, if uh... there was a comment section on one of our podcasts, I'd never read it. I'd be too scared. Yeah. I, yeah, you got it. I don't know. I'm, depending on who you talk to some folks, uh, well, and I'm not as active on social media as I probably should be with the podcast. Like I pretty much retweet Halloweenies and losers club stuff. Um, you go look at like Vanderbilt who has an insane <laughs> following. I mean, he's like this like personality on, on any, and he likes doing that. Right. Um, so I don't think he has any problem like reading the comments or engaging in that way. I know some people have like, you know, Justin just took a social media break. So I think it varies person to person. Yeah. I, I will read comment sections, but if I find myself getting too lost in the weeds, then I, or too mad at something, I go, okay, I maybe need to like step back for (laughs) for a little bit, you know? I, I can't say I blame you for something like that. Cause it's like, I even, I felt nervous because I was like, oh man, Dan Caffrey followed me back on social media. And like, oh, really? my, <laughs> like my, my Twitter presence is like an insane person's Twitter presence, you know? And it's just like that. I was like, I don't know, man. Like, what if this dude backs out of the podcast because of something <laughs> I said on Twitter? Like, oh, no, I don't think. Have, have you have you said anything like, a, I mean, also too, I don't know. I, people are way different in real life. Twitter presence really quick. Yeah. Uh, my, my Twitter presence is like, horny and depressed but like to me it's funny but like i yeah. i used to have like 1100 followers and i was pretty proud of that i'm down to like 750 and people are just like look man i'll see your band i'll hang out with you but if you tweet about and they always say my wife like i'm engaged but they're like if you tweet about your wife's ass one more time i'm not gonna be your friend and i'm just oh, like wow, really? yeah, oh, 10 more times like I, to me it's funny like i don't give a shit but yeah, I don't know. So you've, so, like, you've like you've like actively lost followers based on, on oh, that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'll usually I honestly I don't know if I've ever unfollowed anyone. Maybe I have. I mean, I guess <laughs> if I see someone, I, I guess if I see someone um, tweeting like hateful, you know, homophobic, racist right. shit, yeah, yeah, I'll probably like, unfollow them. But I don't know. If I, I was really like care. someone committing hate crimes, but I'm just like, yeah, just I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, my fiance. <laughs> I just look at it too. Like Twitter's just to me as far as social media goes i think twitter's like the funniest i mean you'll you'll you can just yeah. go down really rabbit holes i mean uh our friend randall on losers club he, he he like purposely just follows all these like insane shit posters not because randall's like that at all but he's he, to him it's fascinating like oh man yeah. like, there's just these weirdos on twitter i think he's actually fo- he 
I think he's carried his feed to be mostly stuff like that. Yeah. So he, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and once again, that, just because I, I think he thinks it's funny. Um, yeah, no, I, yeah, I never, uh, no, I know usually, usually people follow me. I follow them back. Um, it's, I know it's fun to have followers and, uh, yeah, like I said, if I, if I don't know if I saw you tweeting like racist shit, I probably would unfollow <laughs> you, but I, not probably I would, but, um, I, as far as I know, I haven't seen that on your page. I don't know if I've seen any of your horny posts to be honest. Either, so maybe I'll have to go back and, and yeah. uh, look at that. <laughs> reconsider everything you just said <laughs> yeah yeah no yeah no totally but no yeah i really don't uh um uh, i don't know i try I, I i'm flattered if someone wants me to come on their podcast and talk like it's Aww. not like i'm some i'm not tom cruise or something you know so uh yeah so I, there's no i don't want anyone to ever feel weird about approaching me because it all also goes both ways i mean we uh, you know halloween definitely has a big following which has been really cool but at the same time, you know, we, we want to get to the next level, just like everyone else wants to get to our level. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying that I've like, Oh, what you, people envy our position, but I guess what I'm saying is if you're in this business, you're always going to have the goals, that next tier thing that you want. And so I'm always reaching. And as a, also as a, a theater artist, as a playwright, like I'm always um, reaching out to, I'm trying to get an agent right now. Right. So like I'm sending, yeah. I'm sending like, unsolicited emails all the time. And some people get back to me and some don't. So I never, I just look at it like we're all trying to succeed and we're all trying to hustle. And unless you're like a total asshole, I always try to get back to people. Um, cause I want right. them to get back to me too, you know? So I don't, yeah, I don't think anyone needs to be super impressed by us. You know? <laughs> I mean, cause we're probably sending the same, those same tweets and emails. I'm going to like ask a very hyper-specific question. Please. Uh, how the hell did you get Elvira on the podcast? <laughs> oh yeah. That, that was, is, yeah, that, my, that was real rough but i well I, I will say this something even though we're not with consequence of any more uh sound or used to be consequence sound now it's consequence you know mike did start that site um and he was there over a decade i i was there over a decade um justin was uh vanderbilt wrote some stuff for us mac would even write some stuff for us and with that comes a lot of industry contacts right i mean you're working you're interacting with publicists all the time um and mike because he started what ended up becoming this giant pop culture site he just had to kind of teach himself how to get in touch with those folks. And that's changed now. It's a little bit different now than it was 10, 15 years ago. I'd argue it's almost more accessible now because of, um, I mean, I've, I've direct messaged people in, on Twitter, like just writers I love and didn't think they would get back to me at all. And they do because it's easy right. to, I mean, I'll be honest. I don't know what, I don't know how the reach out process went, but just going off of going off of how we would do stuff at consequence, it really is just a matter of emailing a publicist and saying, Hey, I'm so-and-so from this publication. I think with us, it helps. That was a popular horror podcast. And also once again, the blade disgusting thing, right? I would argue that that in a weird way probably gave us more credibility and clout for someone like Elvira than maybe a consequence would. Um, yeah. So I, th- I, f- I for real think it's just like a matter of emailing the publicist and, um, and then hearing back from them. Uh, y- you'd be surprised. I did this before way before um, Halloweenies. I had started this individual podcast on consequence called the feel good cave where I would just interview musicians. I liked now I only did like four episodes of it and then realized that was a lot of work and then (laughs) stopped until I had a bunch of other dudes doing it with me. But, um, honestly, and I, yeah, I was with consequence, but I was pretty much just reaching out to people on my own and just saying who I was. And you'd be surprised the people who got, got back to you. I think, like I said, if I, if I'm contacted and granted, I'm not as busy as someone like Elvira, but, uh, if I'm contacted by someone, and they know my work or they know my podcast like you guys did. 
and they want to hear me, hear me talk. I love talking. I'm an extrovert. Like I'll always do it if I, if I can, you know, I'm about to have a kid soon. So that like, right. well, I'll, I'll probably have a little bit of a break <laughs> from podcasting, <laughs> but, and I, I think that uh, once again, I feel like, I hope I'm not saying just like corny platitudes, but like all artists are people, right. And people, and they probably became artists because they have ideas they wanted to share with the world and present to the world and all virus, no different. So, um, yeah, I would imagine she was hopefully flattered. I, th- I, th- I know she had a good time on that, uh, on that interview in that episode. And that was just cool. Cause like, I'm sure you guys grew up watching her too, right? Like it was just a, oh, it, dude, like, I've got no Elvira tattoo. I don't fucking, I love yeah. Elvira. Oh, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you told like nine year old <laughs> me, like, and I wasn't on that interview, but if you told nine year old me, like, Oh, you're going to have this, you're going to have a thing called a podcast, which you don't know what that is yet. But <laughs> it's like a radio, <laughs> it's essentially a radio show that's not on the radio. And, uh, you're, it's going to be about all these horror movies you love. And you guys are going to have Elvira, this woman you're watching on, uh, the network is UPN in my, in my local town in Florida, oh. um, the United Paramount network, the, this movie you're watching with her, um, you're going to have her on your show and she's actually going to tweet and share the interview as well. Like, I mean, that's, that's mind blowing, right? That's, uh, that's kind of a bonus of getting to do what we do. Right. Hell also, yeah. thank you for telling me what UPN stands for. Uh, before they dissolved when I was a child, I did not know what they stood for. Yeah, man. <laughs> did, did, did they have it in your town? Cause I yeah. think it was, I think it was like, the United Paramount Network, but then in each town it was probably a little bit different as far as what they syndicated. We had a UPN, and then it became the CW eventually, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. I got folded into it. Yeah, it was. I, I don't know how. I mean, and I, looking back, well, yeah, I guess that makes sense because it was United Paramount Network, so it's with Paramount. That's where I watched all the Friday the Thirteenth movies, um, not all of them, but a lot of the sequels. They would show like the censored Saturday matinee version of them, right? Growing up. And it makes sense because all the Friday the 13th movies for a time were produced by Paramount. So that looking back, I'm like, oh yeah. But yeah, they would show Simpsons reruns. And uh, yeah, I loved it. I watched a lot of UPN growing up. Um, I don't know how I know it was. I'm sure some commercials said the United Paramount Network at, uh, at some point. I um, I live in Akron now, but I lived in a, uh, a smaller town right outside of Akron called Cuyahoga Falls. And I remember moving there and we moved there in 2007. And uh, the area of town that my parents live in now, I'm just going to fucking dox my parents. Yeah, you can uh, find him. Yeah, <laughs> find my dad. Uh, he's, he's got guns and is not very nice. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, uh, we lived in this area of town where there was this huge building that had like the fucking the frog and it just said the WB. And I was like what is this building? And then like, it was abandoned for years and then it got bought by this like weirdo, like cult church. And now they use it, but it's like, you can still see the sun stain that said the WB and it had like the frog in his little Uh, shit. What's that frog's name? Like Michigan J frog or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. 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 Was he and he was was he like a Looney Tunes character? I, I think yeah, like it, I, all of it to me was like just you know <laughs> it was all like Tex Avery stuff. Yeah. But I'm just like it was all technically Warner Brothers, so why not? <laughs> yeah, no, they they always have those big umbrella deals. Also, Blade, I'm so sorry. I realized I didn't fo- follow you on Twitter, um, so I just followed you. Just I now. <laughs> you've been so elusive on social media. I did not know I didn't follow you either. Like I thought, no, I no, no, you were following me and I, the request came through and I, yeah, no. And I go through periods. Where I'm just not on Twitter at all. And I'm probably in the most, um, inept at Twitter of all the Halloween. So I, I, am I'll just like see it popped up. Oh yeah. So-and-so followed you a while ago. And it's never, when I don't follow people back, it's never because like, I, I, for real, like I usually follow most people back unless they're, um, wearing a KKK hood or something like that. And so, <laughs> uh, which you are not obviously, but, uh, yeah. So, so it's, it's probably just the notification was from a while ago. Anyway, that that's 
I'm showing how the sausage gets made. Oh yeah, I wanted to bring no, up no, no, WB Frog. We call it homie chat. Homie chat. <laughs> yeah, our podcast is homie chat. These, this is how it goes. I wanted to bring up the WB Frog, but I didn't know if that was like hyper specific to my area or anything. No, I, I remember know, him. Totally. He yeah, was no, on. I, I, he was on Looney Tunes. I'm sorry, Dan. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, no. You're right. I think he was on Looney Tunes, and I, I remember what, when that shift happened when it became the CW, and you would see the frog everywhere, and it also just resulted in a complete shift in programming. Because I remember being a kid and being like, "Oh man, we're not gonna." Excuse me, we're not going to get Simpsons reruns anymore. We're not going to get Jason movies. It's all this like you get uh, supernatural. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and then, I, yeah, then I kind of went off to college and and didn't have cable, so I, I wasn't sure what it what it turned into after that. <laughs> yeah, I um, I remember being in college and I was just like, like I would watch CW because I mean, like I'm a comic book nerd as well, and so it was like, uh, like as we mentioned, you know, with uh, Garth Ennis earlier, but uh, I would watch like the the Arrowverse. Some yeah. of it begrudgingly, but I would watch it. And then um so we had the CW and I was like, all right, the show's called Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. And I was like homesick <laughs> and I watched it and I was like, oh, this is so bad, but I can't stop. Like, and so I watched the entirety of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. And I was like, you know what? It's all for you, Mr. Frog. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. He's the overlord of, of all of it. <laughs> um, what uh what's your history with uh with like with theater? I I was never like a theater fan and my fiance's name is Becca and uh, we met in college and they took all these theater classes but they would count as like English stuff and I was so close to being done that my like academic advisor was like you can take whatever you want why you're now interested in theaters beyond me but yeah go for it so like I've been to Stanton Virginia I've seen like all the Shakespeare stuff it's yeah. all very small chunks of my brain <laughs> <laughs> yeah that like like once so wait so did you you did or didn't get it th- so you, you've like flirted with theater a little bit or just seen some I, things of it yeah yeah i like i i've seen heather's the musical like five times i've seen <laughs> nice. mean girls the musical uh and but like shakespeare specifically like uh i really like richard the third yeah that's um, yeah a lot of horror people like richard the third i think because yeah. he's like a hunchback and you know, there's a lot of like, violence in it richard the third is like kind of like american psycho <laughs> and so i think that you yeah, can really work with that's, that <laughs> that's a good compare yeah there is this because there's a vanity to him and he's yeah. just he's just kind of raging the whole time yeah I wrote an essay about it and my my professor was like I don't know what american psycho is but as long as you have fun i guess <laughs> she <laughs> yeah, was exactly. like I know you're here exactly. for becca but this is fine okay <laughs> yeah yeah no the, yeah the way i got into it um was it's funny to say this now because this certainly isn't the case with me anymore. But when I was 11, we moved around a lot when I was a kid until, mm-hmm. until middle school, like every year I had a different school until I was 11. And so I was kind of shy because it's middle school. So that's a, a big shift, obviously, Absolutely, yeah. but also it was a huge middle school and it was connected to a high school. So that there was just a lot of intimidation, I think, as far as the student body and how many kids I'd be going to school around. And I know it's funny because I'm so extroverted now and I love talking to people and all that, but I was getting a little bit shy and I think maybe a little bit awkward when I was 11 and my mom made me audition for, uh, our school's doing our town. And so I didn't want to really audition for it, but I'm like, all right. So I, I did and I actually didn't get cast. And then in, in Florida, they, I don't know if they do this kind of thing where you guys grew up, but in Florida, they did this thing called international thespian competition, which is like you go and you, you do like a scene or a musical number and they, you get a grade and, you know, it's, it's, it's like, it's like sports for drama kids, um, which is, is a silly thing to say. Um, so I didn't get into our town, but I got into that and 
um, I did this like really silly scene from a very wholesome play with this, with my friend, Stephanie, and it did pretty well and got this like little award. And then I, I enjoyed that. And then we actually took this theater trip to London that I mentioned earlier. And then I really fell in love with like seeing plays and um, not to sound like pretentious. I was reading a lot of Ibsen stuff and just got really into it as a kid. And it kind of became this very intense uh, social element of my life when I was younger. Um, and then by the time I got into high school, I was just a lot more talkative and had a lot more friends and, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I necessarily credit theater for helping me do that. Cause it wasn't like I had some bad childhood was getting bullied or anything, but like, I definitely right. think it made me come out of my shell if nothing else. And then, you know, throughout high school, I was, you know, I was also playing sports and doing like, I just felt like it made me a more active engaged person. And then I knew at that point that I was already, I always was already writing fiction stories. I knew I wanted to be a writer and everything. And then when I discovered that, Oh yeah, there's actually people who write plays. Right. And they, there's a playwriting competition so I got into that my sophomore year and yeah, just kind of never, never looked back. Um, I did go through a period in college, actually around the same time I wasn't watching as much horror where I was, uh, <laughs> I wanted to go to film school and I didn't get into film school. So I just became an English major and similar to you, uh, toward my junior year, my advisor was like, you need 30 elective credits, a theater degree is 33 credits. You could just do a bunch of theater electives and get another degree. And so I did. And then, um, yeah, I actually met my wife and, uh, production of Biloxi blues. <laughs> we were oh, like yeah. dan- dance partners in Neil Simon's Biloxi blues. And we've been together since then. I mean, that, and that was 2005. And so, um, yeah, they moved to Chicago and started theater company. So I think very gradually across my life. Yeah. I love theater, um, and, and loved the practice of it, but I think it was also informing my social life in ways that maybe I didn't realize or appreciate at the time. Um, yeah. yeah if I think back to my wedding in Chicago, you know, half of our guests were people I, that we did theater with, or we started theater companies with, or did, did plays with in Chicago. So for me, it's very much about community. And I don't mean that in any kind of socio-political sense. I literally just mean like my, those are my friends, you know? (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and there's also lines, right? Like, um, Halloweenies, for instance, Mac and I did theater a lot together in college. Um, and he was in my theater company in Chicago. Um, but the other guys never really did theater with Rothman. Um, it did. I don't know how, I don't know if I'm getting too theater specific, but no, man, there this is, is this totally funny fine. story yeah. about Justin and I about, uh, about that is theater related of how we met. So Justin, I met later, I knew Mac in college and I met Justin later on, he was moving to Chicago and I had met him a couple times. Um, and he needed a roommate. So he was going to move into this house with us that, uh, a bunch of, a bunch of people from Florida state university lived in. And, uh, so he, so he did. So he got to Chicago, um, and was moving into this house. I didn't know him super well yet. And I had written this like really gross, silly play for a, a local play festival about, um, Optimus prime and Michael Bay and, and they, Michael Bay was casting the transformers movie. And this is kind of bad. I don't know if I'd write this play now, but he was like making, <laughs> he was kind of doing a casting couch with transformers. He was like making transformers, like, I'd give him a blowjob and stuff to, like yeah. get back in this yeah, yeah, yeah. This rules. Yeah, I know. It's I, I'm like trying to be careful. I don't say anything too gross or whatever. And so, uh, so uh, I did this play in this theater company. Was going to do it. Just this little ten minute play, and um, the director dropped out at like the last minute, and the theme, thing was going to go up in like two weeks. And I was really happy with the script, and I wanted to do it, but I'm like the, the whole the whole team just left. The director and his actors. And it was just because the director is disorganized and lazy. 
And so I said, you know what? Fuck it. I'm, I'll direct it. I'll be in it. I'll play Michael Bay. I need to find someone to play Optimus Prime. And Justin had just moved to town. And so I emailed Justin. I sent him the script. I'm like, hey, man, would you want to be in this thing with me? And I hadn't like seen him act or anything before. And he said yes. And I was like, all right. And then I'm like, well, all right. I, I was going to be Michael Bay, but but we, 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 what part do you want to play? It doesn't matter to me. And he was like, no, yeah. you play Michael Bay. I'll play Optimus. And so like, within like a few weeks of really hanging out, we both did that. We did this play together that literally, um, God, I hope, I hope Justin's cool with me sharing this. I think he is. It literally ended with me, Michael Bay soliciting a blowjob from, from Optimus Prime. And what Optimus Prime does is he comes oil and then he makes Michael Bay choke on the oil and kills him. Like that's how it ended. <laughs> it's really graphic and, and really funny. I mean, audiences were, if I do say so, like howling at it. I mean, it was really foul. Like it ended with, and we just, the way we did it is that he was just seated behind. He was, he was in this cardboard Optimus Prime costume. Yeah. It actually transformed to, it was pretty, I mean, very slowly. It was like this weird, you know, he was like saying this and then it was behind a desk. And so I just had a water bottle with a bunch of Brown, like a liquid in it to be like oil. And I would just squeeze, I would squeeze it really hard. And then, sh- yeah, he would pretend to shut my face down on it. And, I, and the final shit, the final moment of the play was he lifts my dad, dead body up and kind of throws me. And I, I was like shirtless. And I spit up all this, this like oil come and collapse on the floor. And then he raises a fist and you've got the touch uh, from the transformers movie play. And he left Anyway, I don't even remember how we got on this, but we were talking about theater being community based. And it was funny because, like I said, Justin and I did not know each other that well at that point. But that was this weird, like, I was like, okay, if this guy, if this guy did this for me, if he like acted alongside me and did this very gross, kind of perverted yeah, yeah, yeah. comedy, this is a guy I know I'm going to be friends with. And he was really fucking funny in it, too. Justin's actually a very good actor. And, uh, um, so uh, I don't know. I, I'm sure there are theater friends of mine who have they heard this and they heard, they heard how I'm describing theater is important to me and fosters community. And then I go and talk about this robot <laughs> blowjob. They would be like, you're, you're fucked up and you shouldn't be doing theater. But like, I really do. Th- when I think about that. That really is this meaningful experience to me because it was, um, you know, one of my, be- now one of my best friends taking a chance and doing this thing and, and us creating some really crazy, really funny, in my opinion, art together. And then here we are years later doing, um, on two podcasts together and, and we yeah. hang out all the time. So it's, um, I hope that all made sense. That was a really rambling no, roundabout way to say okay. And yeah. I think I was just worried about talking there. Most audiences loved it, but there, there's someone at the back one night who, uh, who watched it and, and just went robot come really like at the end of it, like they were, <laughs> they were too good for it. And then, uh, the final thing, and then I'll, I'll let you guys ask another question. Sure. We can talk about somebody else. Um, I, I was working as an editor at Groupon at the time. And for a very brief period, I was in the recruiting department to hire a bunch of writers. And so I had to move offices and all this stuff. And I moved offices. And as soon as I got in there, uh, this girl that I shared an office with, um, who I didn't know at work, she was like, Oh, I saw you in this play last night. And, the, like, and I was like, Oh my God, like what a, what a weird, uh, what a weird introduction to me. And I'm going to work with you to hire a bunch of writers. So anyway, that's my big uh, spiel on, why theater is important and how, how you can foster community. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> I, um, I just got a new job and, uh, this is only loosely related, I guess, to make you like maybe feel less awkward about something that happened to you 10 years yeah. ago. But no, what it, was, <laughs> so it, was, it was, as I started describing it, I was like, Oh, do I really want to put this out in the world? Like, do I really want to talk about like 
uh, <laughs> Transformer killing Michael Bay by squirting oil from his penis. Like, you know, I, but then I'm like, no, I got to go for it now. I'm, I'm in too deep, so I had to finish the story. That's but right. you, no, you, that was yeah. awesome. Yeah, you were so saying I, you started a new job. and uh, I just started yeah. a new job. And um, in, in Akron, there's a thing called Porch Rocker. And it's like an outdoor festival that happens uh, one day every year. And various types of bands play. Uh, most of the people that are like on the committee for picking bands are like, old white people that just happen to live in this neighborhood. And then there's uh, like one young guy that's there and his name's Kenny. He's a nice guy. He runs one of the DIY houses. So he always tries to like help put Akron DIY on the oh, map nice. of Porch Rocker. And um, I'm, I'm in a band. Uh, we all wear ski masks. All of our songs are from the point of view of uh, killers and slasher movies. Nice. And we played last year and we played in front of like the punk bar in the neighborhood. So we're like, okay, you know, we're here doing our thing. We're supposed to play at two o'clock and at one thirty across the street, which was not like a house, not a porch. Uh, these people start playing like folk music and they're, uh, they're still playing when we set up and I would, say we're like a power violence band maybe like grindcore so we're pretty like loud compared yeah. to someone playing a harmonica and this dude is just like blowing his heart out on his harmonica <laughs> trying to like compete with us and i'm just like this is so weird and so after every song i'm like shouting out the people across the street like this one's for that guy this one's for this yeah, dude, yeah, you yeah. know whatever and then um yesterday i was at work and there's this older lady that uh she retires in like two weeks She's a nice lady. She's a librarian. And uh, like I'm a PSA in this department. And she was like, oh, yeah, I, uh, I live in Highland Square. I do uh, I do Porch Rocker every year. And I was like, oh, cool. I was like, you know, I know you're retiring, but if you want, uh, we're going to be playing this summer. I was like, my band played last summer. And I was like, it's kind of funny. You know, we had to had to play while like these weirdo dudes like they just kept trying to play against us. And she was like. Oh yeah. And I'm like, yeah, like all these dickheads are playing like folk music. Like they're not supposed to be playing. They're not on the roster. And they try to like compete with us and they're like getting blown out. And she was like, Oh yeah, that's a, that's my boyfriend's band. My boyfriend plays the harmonica. And I'm like, Oh word. And she's like, yeah, but you guys were pretty good. I remember you. And I'm like, Oh, okay, cool. She was cool about it. She was like mad at you. I mean, you're breaking the rules, right? I mean, usually it would be the other way around of the, the loud grindcore band is, is uh, causing the issues, but you're, you're being interrupted by a, a folky. That's, yeah, I'm like, we were the good guys here. <laughs> that's a, do, you, do you and her get along and everything and stuff? She's a, a, yeah, she seems like a nice enough lady, uh, you know, She's, she's kind of at that point where like uh like our boss is like maybe five years older than me and she's like you know stephanie our boss says that you can't do blah 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 but that just seems kind of stupid like you can tell she's absolutely checked out so she's pretty much just like look man like as long as you show up to work i don't care like yeah. so she just kind of talks to me about like general stuff she, uh, she's probably listening to this podcast right now she's like oh i, I, heard, so. I heard you talk about me <laughs> yeah i hope so that'd be awesome yeah. shout out deanna i think her I name's deanna i don't actually know she's going on this actually next <laughs> next guest we're, we're gonna bring her on at the one hour mark we're gonna jerry springer <laughs> um so real quick back to uh back to um like the stage yeah have you, seen, uh, <laughs> have, you have you uh have you seen the movie stage fright not the not the cool one from the 80s but the one from like 2014 no every I, i've heard about no i have not but everyone's uh yeah i've heard i've heard a bit about it but yeah i've not seen it uh, i 
the the same band uh we're we're writing album two and i was like oh we'll call it camp blood everything will be like a summer camp thing yeah and i was like there's got to be tons of summer camp movies turns out there's not it's just there's like you know seven friday the 13th and then like five other remotely bearable movies yeah there's like uh the burning right there's mad man which uh we mentioned earlier and that might be all sleepaway camp yeah and Um, i'm like okay like you know so and then i'm like all right look i'm gonna watch cheerleader camp like it's only on youtube (laughs) it's clearly a vhs rip and then like stage fright kept coming up and i had had it i got it on dvd someone donated it to the library and they were like look we don't know what this is this looks like something you would watch and like i had said becca's really into like the stage so we watched it and becca was like that was a movie and i was like i hated it i hated it so much like (laughs) it felt like that movie version of rock of ages but like Uh, yeah yeah if glee made a horror movie and i was just like i can't do this (laughs) yeah well and i I will say too i as much as i love theater and um it's kind of the other half of my career that right we don't talk about so much in halloweenies um there's a lot of it that's goofy (laughs) and there's there's a lot of it that um uh, I mean, that's a whole other conversation, but there's, it's like with anything you love or anything, I, I'm, I'm weirdly suspicious of community. Sometimes I know I just talk, I, I think that's why I specify when I think about theater and what it is community. I think of it more from this friendship, um, relationship angle. I think it's really easy to get caught up in well, we're a theater community. And so we think this way and the, we, and we value this type of art and this is our aesthetic and it gets like too, a little too singular, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Um, no, absolutely. Yeah. And, and especially too, it's, it's really hard to, in my opinion, it's really hard to make compelling art about making theater. Um, the, it's kind of a joke. Like every playwright has like one bad play about like people doing a play. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually wrote something a couple years ago that I'm actually very proud of. And it, it's about a theater talk back, like a Q and a session afterwards. But the first half is like this, it's called Kaiju. It's about, it's this like monster movie. And the, two halves kind of become connected by the end of it. But it was funny because it took me a long time to write that because I was so wary of doing a theater, a, a play about a play. You know what I mean? I think right. it's so easy for that to become bad and goofy and everything. And so, um, yeah. So, I mean, I think it's like with anything. I mean, I mean, like with, with horror also as much as I love horror, I think there's a lot of goofiness within the horror community and horror, like, I, I don't know. I, I think any movement or whatever, any cultural um, web is going to have its, both its, amazing benefits and also its drawbacks um yeah 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 well i mean you guys you guys just spent a year talking about scream and its impact on the world you know like yeah writing a play about you know theater or doing something theater related about theater you know there was plenty of the the scream knockoffs that did not land nearly as well (laughs) yeah exactly one i think the whole metafictional angle too i think um some properties really pull that off well, Scream being one of them. Right. But it can also get a little too cutesy and annoying at some point. We're, I, going back to comic books, right now we're seeing this idea of the multiverse, which has been in comic books for decades at this point, yeah, being introduced yeah, yeah. to the cinematic universe. Now, so far it's been pretty cool. I liked, I really liked Spider-Man Away Home. It was really neat to oh, see absolutely. the different timelines converging, all that. I'm excited about this Flash um, and the return of Michael Keaton, whatever. Mm-hmm. At the same time the multiverse is part of why I get annoyed with comic books a lot because deaths suddenly mean nothing. Like you can always yeah. bring people back, which I hate. I don't know if I need there to be like five Batmans or, or Batman or whatever. Um, it hasn't gotten goofy in my opinion yet in DC or Marvel, but I'm really worried that a uh, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen Endgame, but I'm sure everyone's seen Endgame. <laughs> um, 
I don't want them to bring back Iron Man and Black Widow. I think that would be yeah. super lame and it would take away from the power that exists in Endgame. And so, and honestly, the multiverse is like my least favorite thing about comic books. Um, and yeah, so I think with any trend, it it's easy for something that's may have been innovative and like enter the Spider-Verse and Spider-Man No Way Home to suddenly get co-opted or just done to death and then be not as effective at a certain point. And I wouldn't right. be surprised if we see that happen as the multiverse just becomes that like, I feel like the multi, the idea of a multiverse is having very zeitgeisty moment right now. I, I completely agree. I think that like, I, I run into this a lot, just, you know, like on film Twitter, if you will, like people yeah. that are just like, Oh, well, uh, you know, if you, uh, if you just don't want to see the masterpiece that is whatever this criterion release just was, you can, uh, you can enjoy your, your stupid movies like the Spider-Man movies. I'm like, just get the fuck over yourself. <laughs> yeah, but like, yeah, exactly. But at the same time, you know, I'm willing to admit like, there's some Marvel movies that just don't land. Like everyone hated Thor two for a reason. Like it wasn't that good, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, you know, like stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, like I can get behind that, but I, I just, I don't know. I, I love comic books. I think they're great. I also understand like the goofiness in sometimes it works like that. Uh, that Howard the Duck comic that Chip Zdarsky wrote that like it restarted like three times and it ran. Oh, for, like, did, it really, it, it, did it restart? It, was it written since the movie came out and like since Howard the Duck popped up in Guardians of the Galaxy or he yeah like he wrote like five issues and then Marvel was like hey we're gonna do this thing where we restart everything from issue zero so that people can uh can you know actually start reading comics instead of you know buying Iron Man 354 and Chip Zdarsky's like what about me they're like well just start over you've only got five issues and so you're like he did it <laughs> all really over funny. again I know about that and he's like, okay. And then, you know, like, I think it restarted again for like a different uh, reason. Like, yeah. Probably just because like Chip is like a comedic writer. So he was like, oh, I'll just do it over again. You know, yeah, I'll just take but the I, piss out of this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm just like, this is good, you know? And then like, even when he would reprint, um, like he reprinted, uh, issue one of the first run, like three times. And it's like, um, print three, like the cover and it's like, uh, praise from gerard way this something else blah 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 and howard the ducks on the cover he's like can i leave this room yet it's been <laughs> six months you know yeah. and i'm like i can handle something like that but yeah well that because that's good once again that's like commenting on the trend that's satirizing it yeah i hate yeah. the comics do that all the time and then it's confusing too they'll restart it and then after whatever it is the new 52 or rebirth or whatever thing <laughs> yeah. they're on then they'll go back to the old numbering and you're like, what the fuck is this at yeah, the same time? Yeah. I mean, I've had to relegate my comic reading to either single arcs or like, I read all the Batman new 52 last year, yeah, which was a satisfying old, experience because it, yeah. but, but then I have really good issues, seven. Okay. Issues. Yeah, exactly. And, but then it gets <laughs> tough too, because you're reading all that and then you're like, Oh, the new 52 is pretty cool. Do I also read all the detective comics from right. new 52 and you do? And you're like, yeah, oh, this isn't as good as Batman was. All right. Do, uh, I, now I have to read this uh, Red Hood and the Outlaws thing to understand this plot point. So, and then, and then you just go down this like degrading rabbit hole. Whereas, where I'm like, no, the the quality thing for me to read for New Fifty Two was um, all the Batman comics, like all the Swamp Thing, and I had yeah. to stick to that. If I once I start expanding beyond that, the quality just started to go up and down a bit. And um, yeah, so I can now enjoy comics in that kind of way. I, I just got all the Batman eighty nines, which is like a right on yeah yeah, yeah a single oh, yeah. a single story so i'll enjoy that but yeah i had i've had to get away from like buying issues every week because it just got too unwieldy and all and too expensive and Absolutely. too space consuming and then just annoying at a certain point You're like why am i why am i trying to touch every single branch of this huge epic arc they're doing i can just stick to the core story and honestly i think they do it to make 
more money, right? Like the yeah. more, yeah. So yeah. anyway, yeah, I know this isn't a comics podcast, but yeah, I like comics. No, it's too, fine. So I, I, I was going to say there's, there's, there are like horror related comics or, you know, like this, this splits pretty easily between like horror and like punk, you know, cause like we talk to people about punk all the time. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of like punk ethos in comics. And I mean, I'm, I'm going to say it here. Like I've said it 10,000 times on Twitter. Scott Snyder is uh, the best thing that happened to DC since oh, where Frank Miller was racist. Like it, Scott Snyder <laughs> fucking rules. And yeah, I he, love Scott. I'd love Scott Snyder. I'm yeah. He, he also too seemed to, I mean, him and Greg Capullo as a team up, just the, the art and the narrative going together, but also too, he really did seem to think about, Oh, how can I redefine this thing? Yeah. Um, yeah, Frank Frank Miller apologized eventually, right? I hope so. I don't know. Yeah, I, don't yeah, know. I know it sucks. I know he was drinking a lot. Not that I, not that I excuse him being racist and saying awful shit he said, but like like nine eleven broke him, and then he had to. Dude, oh yeah, my gosh! Awful. Yeah. Man, yeah, I I so the department I work in at work is uh it's CAV, and so comic books are Hold worked on. in, and I'm gonna keep it real. I have no idea uh-huh. what you guys are talking about, but I'm. Uh, we just, I, know, I was like, I was like, right, right. being really quiet. We're yeah. just uh, we're taking sorry, over buddy. with nerd I'm shit. Yeah. I'm learning yeah. so much. Keep going, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like the, the the frank miller um i remember he wanted to do a batman comic where batman stopped 9-11 and dc was like no you're yeah, not holy terror that. i read it and it's weird too because when you read holy terror you can tell oh this is pretty much batman without the ears and that's catwoman without the ear like right. yeah, you can totally yeah. see it, it looks like the dark knight strikes again artwork i mean i think yeah. when barley even did the the artwork for it but uh yeah it's it's not good and it's i mean it looks good it's i mean the artwork's amazing or whatever but like like with his art and, and her coloring but like uh yeah it's not the story wise you're like this is just really ugly and nationalist and xenophobic and then it's um, so weird dude. yeah it's which is a bummer he makes it so many levels yeah he's one of my favorites growing up so anyway right no i understand but um We'll do one more comic book thing and then we'll let Blade like think about something else. Uh, if you have not read it, uh, What's the Furthest Place from Here is fantastic. It is a current comic running. I'm a huge fan. I think there's like five issues. And then uh, it's written by Matt Rosenberg and it's drawn by Tyler Boss. Uh, they've done a couple other really good things together for Image. Okay. Every couple months they'll reissue or they'll re-release like an issue and it will be the seven inch variant. And so oh, cool. like issue one, the A side was Blake Schwarzenbach covering all night long by Lionel Richie. And the B side was like a Joyce Manor song. Um, oh, wow. I'm looking at, yeah, I'm looking this up right now. Yeah. It comes yeah. with the seven inch record. Oh, that's cool. I'll have to check it's that out. Heard that. Yeah. It's really fun. That's I really awesome. like both of them. Um, I've punished those dudes online. They're supposed to also be guests on the pod. So here's hoping that happens. <laughs> yeah. And then maniac of New York is really good. Maniac the guy that he he's a podcast guy and i feel bad because like i think his name is like lucius khan or lewis khan but like he yeah he's he's famous yeah i I won't google it but he's famous in the podcast world this is your uh, chance to get us to stop talking about comics now to swoop in and uh yeah both both of those are good all right all right you're back but you Um, cut out so i just started talking to fill the silence so i don't gotta edit shit that's fine um they're they're both really good uh and then so <laughs> I'd love to join this comic talk, but I've read literally fucking one comic in my life. What, what comic was I it? I read the entire run of ultimate Spider-Man. Oh, that's good. Right yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That's a great run. Yeah, no, it's amazing. I fucking loved it. Oh, I also read like <laughs> Spider-Man life story and stuff like that. I think that counts. That was like a more serious one, oh, right? Yeah. It's really, it's deadly serious, but it's so good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've read Spider-Man comics guys. Let me join the conversation about Frank Miller. 
<laughs> his well, he saved Daredevil. He, yeah, he, he I was gonna say he did do yeah. Daredevil, and Spider-Man pops oh. up, I think, in there. So yeah, I read Guardian yeah. Devil because I love Kevin Smith. Yep. There Wait, we go. Frank Frank Miller did do uh, do some Spider-Man. There's the complete uh, Frank Miller Spider-Man uh, hardcover. So. Uh, right, if you need a Christmas pleasant, present for Blade, uh, <laughs> get him that. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. yeah, I got you covered, buddy. But no, you guys um, uh, mentioned Scream knockoffs earlier. I can't mm-hmm. think of one really. Am I? I know what like... you did last summer. Uh... <laughs> well, it's weird because I think the Scream knockoff. It was strange. I think the Scream knockoffs came in the form of just the slasher elements of it, not so much the the meta aspect of it. Although, if you think, I know what you did last summer. Still has that kind of snappy teen right. dialogue you know that like I, I feel like yeah i know he did last summer maybe valentine movies like that that even something like disturbing behavior the faculty they're, they're not like ripping off the meta elements of screen but i do feel like they're doing that kind of teenagers probably talking like more, more smarter than they would i guess yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. like the faculty gets the pass because it's like kevin williams oh, it's still good yeah I, I, I still like i know he did last summer too but yeah. I, mean, I can see the screams fingerprints all over it I'm a I'm a big fan of Cherry Falls. I've uh I've I've made jokes to Vanderbilt about on Twitter. I'm like, do like a rental and let me be a guest because I'm like the only person that worships that movie. I, but they, is that the one about like the, it's it's targeting virgins or something like yeah, that, right? Or, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I remember hearing and, about that when it came out when I was a kid. I never saw the. I think it's on Shutter. Uh, it it should be on Shutter. If it's not, we'll 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 supply you with a copy if you need one. <laughs> Mail me a but, DVD uh, of it. Yeah, no, I heard it's, yeah. I heard it's good. Um, but, uh, th- there's a special feature on the, the Scream Factory version and they were like, you know, we wrote the script and we wrote the script right after, uh, Scream came out and it just happened to take a couple more years for this movie to come out. But, uh, we got the script back and they were like, we need more Scream stuff. And they're like, <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, when Scream is such a unique thing and, um, yeah, it's, it's really even Halloween each show. We talked about this on the episode a lot, how you just aesthetically it's borrowing. I mean, it's literally borrowing screen music cues. And yeah. um, once again, it's like Josh, the, the teen dialogue and that feels it, it feels like it's from Dawson's Creek, essentially, which yeah. the reason screen work is, is not because it sounds like just because it sounds like Dawson's Creek. It's because it's actively commenting on horror and franchises and sequels and everything. Um, yeah, in a way that I mean, I'm trying to think of other meta horror movies, even. I guess that Final Girls movie would be a, a meta horror movie, right? Yeah, I like that movie I a really lot. Like that, that was movie. yeah. I that's like one too. of the that's one of the songs for uh, Camp Blood. I rewatched it and I was like, this still holds up. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. I, I only saw it the one time, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Though. I thought it was good. Did it make anybody cry yeah. besides me? No. Yes. <laughs> did you cry for you cried for real or? Uh, I cried during the Final Girls because like oh, it has like yeah. stuff with the mommy. It's pretty. Yeah, it's pretty. Okay. Uh, the Betty where she's dancing. She kind of sacrifices. Spoiler alert: uh, when she sacrifices herself or daughter, and she's dancing with to Betty Davis eyes. Yeah, I like that part. Yeah. Yeah. But, all right. Parental trauma in movies just really gets me. I don't know, man. I'm sorry, it's buddy. It. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. It's a weakness. It's a weak point. Um. Wrapping up so, to get to another question. What is the worst yeah. horror movie you've ever seen? Oh, that's a good question. No one's ever asked me that. The worst. The Usually absolute... somebody will name some shit we've never seen before. So like, Yeah, that, it's funny because right? my, mind, my mind immediately goes to Halloween Resurrection. I think a lot of that also Man. is just because I even <laughs> like... Really? You love it? I don't know. I. It's the only... I'm a, I'm a defender of like most of the bad Halloween sequels. Like even like Halloween five is not great. Right. But I can always watch it. Like there's something inherently watchable about them for me. Halloween resurrection is the only one to get bored about, but I feel like that's such a basic answer. I feel like there's gotta be 
if we're, if we're just talking about full on bad horror movies, I mean, there's got to be some crappy exploitation film that's really boring and slow and and ha- and just has some crappy death scene at the end. Um, right. I have a VHS screener copy, like the like they sent to video stores for of Resurrection. Oh yeah, yeah, I love that. The movie's good. Yeah, I mean, I see. I, yeah, I think for me, it's just because. Well, also it's because I like HO so much. And I feel like it just undoes everything good about HO. I'm trying to think of yeah the worst horror you. movie. I mean, I usually find something to like in in every horror movie. Um, ah, they, I, I feel like I should have like a, I should have like a ready to go answer for this question, but no one's ever asked me it before. I'm trying to think. Uh, ah, what, what are your what are right, you two share yours? I'm gonna, and I'm going to think while you while you Butcher, say that. I'll listen Butcher to you too, but yeah. The the worst horror movie I've ever seen is uh probably Home Sweet Home the that Thanksgiving slasher movie from the early eighties. It's got a body by Richard or something like that. It's like a bodybuilder from the early eighties. He's a meth addicted uh, institution escapee, and he goes and like kills a bunch of people that are in this house on a hill. It's fucking dumb. I don't think I've heard of this, but wait, there's the other yeah. one that takes place at, during Thanksgiving. Um, Thanksgiving. Well, Thanksgiving and Blood Rage are both awesome. Blood yeah. Rage, I was gonna say, yeah, th- yeah. yeah, thanks, yeah, Thanksgiving's one of the turkey. Yeah, Blood yeah. Rage, I like a lot. Um, you said a Thanksgiving movie. I can't say Thanksgiving three. Thanksgiving three, which I was going to say. Uh, you can't, why not? It's fine. No, I'll substitute that out for Pieces because I know people love that movie. <laughs> I don't like Pieces one bit. I hated every second of it. Um, yeah, see, that's the kind of thing I'm trying to think of, of like, oh, some prestigious thing that everyone really likes that I think is just total bullshit and is ooh, overhyped. Well, I don't want to I don't want to ruin our friendship with you, but Blade and I are big, uh, big haters of the original Halloween. Yeah, really? Oh, yeah. I, I'm not. I, that's so that's a. I mean, it, that's it, like it, a truly hot take. What's your because like, yeah, for someone who has a horror podcast, what? Uh, why don't you guys like it? My reasoning is like it's a great movie. It's great. It does. It, but there's so many things that like I don't like about it, and there's so many things about it that get looked past because like it's a Carpenter one and two. Like it did pretty much kick off all of the shit that we love. And so my um, thing is, I'm a uh, I'm a Black Christmas purist. So yeah, I'm, I'm just Christmas. like I'm just like it's it's not you know it's it's beta. It's you know if if Black Christmas is like the alpha version, not like alpha male, but I mean I guess yeah, no, the, the original, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just you know it's it's just part two. It's it's. Well, the, do, but do you think? Because I I agree in the similarities for sure, but I also think they're they're they still feel like different movies to me. I guess for you, is it more is it more content or context based? Like if if Halloween didn't get all the credit that it gets, like say it just existed right. like as a good solid horror movie and, yeah. and people weren't like, Oh, it started this thing. Would that make you like it more? Do you know what I'm saying? I think so. Yeah. Cause like, that's the thing that really, yeah, like, for it, me, it's the, yeah. it's the, I think context usually overrides content with that kind of thing. Uh, and sure, I obviously absolutely. love Halloween's my favorite movie, but I'm trying, I'm trying to think of another example of something like that where, Oh, I hate the, well, honestly for, uh, the new Halloween, the 2018 Halloween, which I actually like, um, yeah, yeah, no, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, right. no, I think it's I, in the minority that we like Halloween. Well, yeah, like I, I, I like Halloween 2018. Most of my issues with that, I mean, it's not perfect by any means. And I've, I've said this on the podcast a bunch. Most of my issues surrounding this new Halloween timeline 
isn't so much the movies themselves. It's the fra- it's the, Oh, well we're like the only one that matters and all these other movies are right. stupid, but then it's borrowing from these movies. Now it's like ignoring them and then borrowing them. That like really pisses me off. And that's, it's so weird, you know? And then yeah, like, no, it's, very, it's, it's like truly bizarre to watch. And also the, I mean, I've talked about this a lot on Halloween is also this whole thing of constantly trying to frame them. Like they're offering insightful social commentary about issues that happened after the movies were wrapped already. Like the whole thing of, Oh yeah, we're well, yeah. the movie was created before the George Floyd killings and the Capitol riots, but we're at, it's prophetic and we're commenting on that. Like hearing the producers say that, that drives me up the wall. So it's not so much that I don't like the movies. It's like just not being honest about what they are. So, so what you're saying to me about the original Halloween and its relationship to, uh, Black Christmas makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 yeah that makes sense. That doesn't ruin our, our friendship right now. So <laughs> don't worry. Yeah. I wish I, I wish I had a better answer. I'm, I, I mean, I, I, it would probably be something just really boring from the seventies. Um, answer if you want one. Yeah, please. Uh, <laughs> things. You can just go ahead and say things is the worst movie you've ever seen. I've just, see, I've not, they, they showed they showed that on uh, Joe Bob, right? Joe Bob. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah, didn't yeah. watch it yet. Uh, yeah, I can't it's say. It. Never, yeah, I've never seen <laughs> it's it. It's rough. <laughs> yeah, I mean that movie like Hogzilla was really awful, but that's also like such an <laughs> easy answer. Like, of course it's going to be awful. It's called Hogzilla. Right. I'm trying to think of like a of uh, like I don't know the movie Leviathan um, is doesn't live up to its potential for me, and I hate the ending of that movie where Peter Weller like it punches the girl the person off the dock is just like kind of corny but yeah i don't know i wish i i'll have to i'll have to think on this like tweet at you guys or something i wish yeah, i had like sure. a better a better sure. answer for this because it's a great question but yeah i don't i don't know if i have like a really good definitive answer so then the 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 follow-up uh what are your five favorite movies they don't have to be of all time they don't have to be horror you know you can just be like i just saw these five and they're currently what's what's hot for me but also like if you've got a letterbox you can be like you know here's my big ones on letterbox yeah for sure five yeah so i, I think i'm i'm just gonna name them off the top of my head i mean this is pretty um this is probably pretty unchanging for me at this sure. point i think so uh halloween's always gonna be number one um mm-hmm. and and then the other the, the ones below it are you can probably interchange um jaws uncut gems the Muppet movie and Billy Madison. I th- so I've got two uh-huh. Sandman movies up there, which I just realized I, that's right not purpose, on. but th- those are the five that live rent free in my head. I'm always get, I'm always quoting them. I'm always going to watch them whenever they're on the, they almost, the, I've seen them all to the point where they just feel like in my bones, they don't even feel like movies to me anymore. Oh, they yeah. just feel oh, yeah. inherently part of my identity. So those are like my five, the, the newest one was, is uncut gems, but um, I just fell in love with that movie and I, I'm just hypnotized by it. So yeah. And then, I, you know, I, I would also put like, and uncut gems, probably unseated, uh, once upon a time in America <laughs> or something right like on. that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But those are, yeah, those are my top five movies of all time. When, when we were growing up, uh, I have one younger brother. He's two years younger than me, but when we were growing up, we, um, we had like these two DVD copies, one of happy Gilmore and one of Billy Madison. And we watched them religiously. Like until I was 12, we shared a room. So we would watch movies in bed every night. Um, and, uh, it was just like all the time. And so I, I remember one time we were at a bar and there's a TV and it doesn't have any sound. And Billy Madison is on. And I'm just like saying all these lines. (laughs) And Becca, like Becca's just like, what is happening? And I'm just like, just going and going and going. And I'm like, it's such a bizarre movie. It's like such a weird, I think part of why I love that (laughs) a lot more than 
with some of the later Adam Sandler movies is because there's just a strangeness to it. It's almost, yeah. it's just like, I, th- I, we, I had to write about it when I went back when I wrote for consequence, I think I described it as like, like a, I'd say I could describe him as like a surrealist pervert or something. Like he's just this, <laughs> we, he's, he's, he's such a weirdo in that movie. I love it. It's so funny. And it's, you can also just tell it's these, it was written by these people just trying to make each other laugh and outdo one another. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I love that movie. Yeah. Same thing. It's that of the ones on the list. I could probably, I would say uh, Halloween and Billy Madison are probably the two that I could, if someone put a gun in my head and said, okay, (laughs) write down all the dialogue from this movie, I could probably do it in order. That rules. I I feel that. um, I I liked Uncut Gems a lot, but I, uh, I didn't see it in theaters and like they were, it was on Netflix. And so it was like the night prior I watched Good Time and then like. 10 a.m. the next day i watched uncut gems oh wow (laughs) like with good time i was like wow this is amazing and it left me feeling kind of anxious like it took me like an hour to fall asleep but with uncut gems becca was at work i just had to walk outside and like stare at the sun like i I think that's how (laughs) most people feel about that movie my wife susan's feels the same way about it and uh, I, i don't know anyone who doesn't like uncut gems but I think most people get really stressed out by that film, but it's funny because I I get really relaxed by that movie. I know it's a really strange right thing to say, yeah. And I, I think it's because you're there's a movement to it. There's a momentum that is just mm-hmm. fascinating for me to watch. And I know the momentum is stressful in a way because it's him trying to con- he's making mistakes and covering his tracks and yeah. trying to get uh, all his debt wiped out and all this stuff. But there's something almost acrobatic and impressive about it. Um, I, I, it's funny. It's the movies about basketball, but it almost feels to me like watching a really good <laughs> basketball game. And yeah, it's dark. And I, I know a lot of people don't love the ending and everything, but I'm just yeah hypnotized. It's the best way I can describe yeah. it. Like I can, and, yeah. and not in like a train wreck. I can't take my eyes off it. I'm just drawn into the movement of that movie. And I just don't want to get off that ride when I'm on right. it. And then also Timmy and the Safties are just so good at the way we go into that gem in the beginning and then it becomes his intestine. I think they just are, yeah. have really captivating camera work and it's just fun to look at. And the music is enchanting. Yeah, I, I love that movie. I'm always kind of, kind of trying to figure it out, even though it's not a very mysterious movie per se. Yeah. There seems to be going something going on underneath the surface of it that goes beyond it just being a crime caper. Like I think they're saying something about humans being unique, like his character, as much of a shithead as he is, he's kind of amazing too. Like you're watching him just pull all these deals and the passion he has for everything he goes after. And yeah, he's a gambling addict, but there's, I would say that's a unique person. Like he, he, that he right. is a solely um, singular personality. And so I'm, and, and it's Adam Sandler too. So yeah, I'm, I, I adore that movie. Just completely I understand. Yeah. I, uh, I remember when I watched it, like the first hour, I was so nervous. Like, you know, like when you can like, like you have a tense situation and you like go to crack your neck and it feels like you've never cracked your neck before. So that was me like the whole first hour. And then at the end of hour one, I was in spoilers uh, at the end of hour one, I was just like, this man's unstoppable. Like he's God. And then, you know, hour one to hour two, I was just like, I'm in it now. You know, like it's still, it's still like nerve wracking. It's still exciting, but it's like, uh, like watching like point break or something, you know, where it's like, you're not really nervous, but you can tell that it's like, uh, oh man, is Keanu Reeves going to get this guy? And yeah. so I'm just like, I'm like there. And then the last 15 minutes, I'm just like, <laughs> this is it. Like God is in this room. <laughs> like, yeah, well, he when he's, when he's uh, talking to Kevin Garnett, he, he's even, he even says, he's like, Oh, you know, you're going to listen to all them. Like those negative people back. No, like where he, he says how we're, no, we're, we're like in this thing. We care about this thing. We work for right. this thing. Uh, and yeah. I think that's true. I think there's this similarity between him and KG in the movie. And 
I love that speech because it's it's this kind of just him against the world thing. So anyway, I I really yeah. love Uncut Gems. Hey, hey, and the Muppet movie in Halloween and uh, <laughs> Muppet movie's awesome. I'm a yeah. I'm a big Muppet guy. Uh, when I lived with my parents, they uh, they had like a back room that initially it was just like where I would keep all my records, and then my dad started like putting stuff in there, so it was just like our like nerd room. But we had a framed picture of all the Muppets, and it was just like the Muppet Show. Oh, and, that's like, awesome! It was like this cool like 24 by 36 poster, and it was just like that was it. Like my mom was like, "This is the nerdiest." Man man cave <laughs> like, they're like that was it It was like that was our thing was the muppet show poster uh, that's and awesome. I, almost all of the muppet movies i am a big uh i'm a big pusher for i don't like treasure island and i did not really like the second muppet movie from like the last oh the uh, muppets most wanted era. yeah, yeah. I, I enjoyed yeah. those i just find treasure island i didn't love growing up i rewatched a few years ago and i thought it was really good and really funny um muppets from space is really the only one that i, I can't really come back to I, quite as much um we had that one on vhs so that one like that that's part of my childhood yeah so I, yeah but i could see where you're coming from it's not very good but because <laughs> it was so embedded into me as a kid i'm just like no it rules yeah no exactly and, and I think that's the case with a, a lot of art too. Just if you, if you see it at the right, right time, it's always going to be a part of you. Yeah. Guys, I have a confession right now. Please. You've never seen a single Muppet thing. Correct. <laughs> Muppets and comic. There's a, there are Muppet comic books too. So that's right. both, that's of, right. both of the things you don't know anything about. Right? I, uh, I never understood the Muppets. I'm so sorry. Uh, I don't, I don't know. Interesting. When I come down next weekend for your dad's birthday, I guess we'll watch a Muppet movie. Hell yeah, oh, buddy. You're going, his dad's, yeah. you're going to his dad's birthday? That's sweet. I am. Yeah, my dad's turning 50, and my dad has a twin. So it's uh, – I've been calling it the Twins of Terror, but we're doing a, we're doing a twin birthday party. Oh, so. that's great. Well, happy birthday. Thanks. Um, let's see. Oh, uh, fucking the obvious. Where can we find you in the world? Like how do you want people to, to reach out oh, to sure. you? Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Twitter and Instagram pretty much. It's uh, I'm on Twitter more than Instagram. Uh, DW Caffrey. Uh, Caffrey C-A-F-F-R-E-Y I mean honestly you can go to my website also uh, Dan Caffrey writes uh, and there's like contact form that will shoot me an email um, Hell yeah. I'd like to think I'm pretty good about getting back to people I took way longer to get back to you guys than I usually do because it's because of uh, oncoming parenthood stuff but uh, yeah if you, come by and say hi I'm not shy about any of that stuff hell yeah um, and then what would you uh, what would you like to promote the, I'm assuming the obvious, but it sounds better coming from you than yeah, from us. No, yeah, obviously <laughs> Halloweenies, right? We're um, I when when is this episode dropping? I'll have to think of what Christ, we're going to have like, out uh, by then. Two, so we have an episode coming out not this Monday, the one after, and then we take a week. I've got to look at the calendar. We're very unprofessional. All right, so I think I think this will be out by the time this episode is out. We should have our Army of Darkness episode done because I think the I'm not on that one, but I think the other guys are recording that pretty soon. Um, and what else do we have? See, it's always hard because I always forget what we've announced and what we haven't, uh, so, so far. Right. Um, but I think, no, I think I'm caught up in everything because I'm purposely taking, um, June off because we'll be having a baby. So, uh, so I don't, I don't think I'm missing any, any of the, uh, um, the, po- the episodes we have coming up, definitely army of darkness. Yeah. Check out, look, check out the Halloween's podcast. There's always, there's always, uh, Lots of relevant content. Also, the Losers Club, Stephen King podcast, which is the, also on the Blade Discussing uh, Network. Um, it's us going through the works of Stephen King in order. Although that, like much like Halloweenies, it's branched out into a lot of other um, areas of horror as well. Uh, and we actually do we cover movies every now and then on there too. And then, yeah, beyond that, I don't think I have any theater stuff coming up at least right now. Hopefully, hopefully, uh, I'll have some things to announce later in the summer. But yeah, just find me at uh, DanCaffreyWrites.com. 
Halloweenies and Losers Club. Hell yeah. Blade, what would you like to promote for us, buddy? Uh, I got nothing, really. I think maybe before when this comes out, I'll have decided to like do something. Maybe Grip Hook Leftovers will go up by then. Okay, cool. Uh, That's what one of your bands? That is Butcher's band, but I just do all the like the business Blade's shit. Wait, my record yeah. label. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. I think Grip Hook stuff will be up by then, hopefully. I'm hoping, question mark. Maybe mm. if it gets fucking <laughs> printed, it's been taking forever. Um, yeah. I don't know. There's also, a, by the time anybody hears this, there was a really cool Within the Woods shirt that got put up. I'm sorry you didn't get one. I told you too late. Uh, it goes down next week. This ain't coming out for three weeks. It was a good-ass shirt. Uh, <laughs> this is this kind of how the plugs go with me a lot of the times, too. Because I'm like, wait, this is this thing I just mentioned even out yet? Is it coming out? Oh, wait, we had to order. Yeah, it's, so, yeah, that, plugs are, I'm like, that's like the thing I'm worse at on podcasting. I can talk really well, but when it comes to plugs, I'm like, wait, what? What? <laughs> what do I have going on? So yeah, I sympathize. None of, I don't have anything to promote. Butcher, you got any shows coming up in fucking like June that you want to talk about? <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so uh, on Friday the 13th, which is May, uh, if you are in Northeast Ohio, or I guess if you Just live far away and you want to come, whatever. Um, <laughs> no, it'll be out. It'll be, it doesn't matter. Okay. Uh, at the end of May, I got a couple shows that I'm playing. Um, I'm playing in Cleveland and I'm playing in Akron. Um, and then in June, I'm playing in Columbus. And then I'm also playing in Akron again. Uh, we're in the middle of writing album two. We haven't finished it yet. Uh, It'll be done and out by the last day of summer, and the hoodies are almost done, and then we're going to do a t-shirt because, you know, it's almost May and it's 65 degrees out. Uh, yeah, I'm a big Halloweenies fan, so keep listening to Halloweenies. Um, I actually hate Stephen King, but we're going to save that for another episode with we should, I was going to say, that's, that's, that would be a good episode. Like, yeah. y'all explain. I mean, but you, you had good reasons for not liking Halloween, so I'm sure you have good reasons for not liking Stephen King as well. <laughs> um, but yeah. Cool. All right, everybody. Have a good night.